Hey guys, good evening. How are y'all? I would just whisper Hello. to my wife, Kathy. I'm John. We're John and Kathy Fleming. Oh, thank you. Wow, fans. Our community group is here tonight, so thank you. <laughs> I just whispered to Kathy. I said, we shouldn't be here. Um, but for the grace of God, we should not be here. Uh, truly, uh, if we rewind the tape of uh, our marriage, um, 15 years, 20 years, there's no way we, we would have put ourselves here. So we're thankful. <clears throat> we're thankful to be here. Um, so why do we share our story? Certainly not because we are gifted speakers and certainly not because we enjoy shining the spotlight on certain seasons of our past. We share this story so that others who find themselves where we were might be encouraged and know that God offers hope in the midst of terrible pain and struggle, which we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. We share this story because we've seen firsthand how an awesome God can resurrect a dead marriage. And this sounds cliche, but we share this story because this really isn't our story. It's his story. So John and I have been married for 28 years. We have uh, three children, Hannah, Jake, and Mary Margaret. Hannah is married to Preston, and they have been married for four years and serve in the merge ministry here in Dallas. Uh, Jake just got married this summer uh, to Chelsea, and they both serve in Plano. Jake serves on the worship team, and Chelsea teaches fifth graders. And our youngest daughter, Mary Margaret, lives in New York City and is a gifted singer and actor and is actually at an audition right now, so y'all can pray for Mary Margaret. Um, Yeah, and so we've been uh, at Watermark since 2000. And yes, our son got married in shorts and flip-flops in July at the Arboretum, and it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it it was awesome because I didn't have to dress up. I didn't like to dress up. Uh, so in order to fully understand the story, we need to briefly share with you uh, our points of origin. So Kathy and I were both raised in Christian homes with Christian parents who took us to Christian churches. My folks were in, uh, very involved in the Baptist church. My dad was the music director, and my mom played the piano and the organ. Uh, Kathy's folks were very involved with the Methodist church. I came to Christ as an eight-year-old, and Kathy came to Christ in high school. Our parents loved us very much and provided for us in every way they could. For the most part, life was good and our childhood enjoyable. Then came the teen years. Although our folks loved us and cared for us and provided for us, they really uh, didn't have a clue how to raise um, or how to parent teenagers. Um, As a consequence, we had little or no direction and weren't handed a working compass. We were free spirits riding down life's highway, sometimes at full throttle. Kathy was a popular cheerleader at her high school, and I was a, it says popular, and I'll, I'll take that word, I was a football player at my high school. Uh, we had no idea what it meant to guard our, heart, our hearts. What is that? Uh, oh, we'd been taught at church that you shouldn't have sex or smoke or do drugs, but we uh, never had an intimate relationship with parents who sat us down and walked us through the process of how to behave around the opposite sex. We learned most of what we knew from unguided and misinformed peers. By the way, and this is important, we don't in any way fault uh, our folks. We know that their parents probably didn't model well for them either. We love our parents very much and have great relationships with them. We are simply setting the stage. 
College and early career was no different. Same story, just more freedom and more expenses. We still had no map, and what compass we had, we had lost. So Proverbs 4.23 says this. It's something most of us are going to be familiar with. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We had no no clue what that meant, uh, nor were we doing that. Uh, I think if Kathy knew then what she knows now about who I was, she would have never let me in the car. I was a guy bumming a ride, and I'd forgotten to pack my character. In fact, we were both traveling spiritually light with no real vision for the road ahead. We first met through an old girlfriend of mine and went to lunch on a blind date. Kathy talked the whole time. Poor girl didn't know what to do with a goofball like me who couldn't come up with anything to say. We painfully got through the lunch, and she swore to her girlfriends back in her office that she'd never see me again. Uh, As it turned out, however, we had another date the next day. Unfortunately, it was all uh, for all the wrong reasons as we quickly got physical. We were simply interested in the here and now and concerned with how we could fulfill our selfish desires. We said we were in love, but I think we were really in lust. We were lost and had no desire to ask for directions. We dated for about two and a half years and got married in the spring of 1988. And I think there was a marriage picture up there. And talk about So if we weren't on a clueless. time limit, I would give you all the background of why I went on a second date, but... Susan's watching. Okay. So uh, Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And um, Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We played the marriage game, but we still had no idea what it meant to really love one another. On paper, we were husband and wife, but in real life, we were still doing our own thing. John loved to be alone, loved to be in the garage, playing the drums all by himself. I loved being with friends, people, couples. We just, we simply got together for meals, movies, and sex. That's true. (laughs) I also remember for a good part of our marriage, being very careless with my words. I took every advantage to take a verbal jab at Kathy. The joke was almost always at her expense, especially if we were with other friends. And no subject was off limits. I was very critical of Kathy's figure. Imagine that. She's beautiful. And often made cynical remarks about her weight. I truly think this goes to the fact that I had been exposed to hardcore pornography at a very early age by a next-door neighbor. And as a result had a less-than-healthy view of women. Sadly, it would take years for Kathy's wounds to heal. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So moving forward here, we're not going to focus so much on the what of our story. It's the big 500-pound gorilla in the room that we're going to introduce here in two seconds. But we're going to focus more on the why Did we get there? And then how did we move forward in healing? So here's the what of our story. Early in our marriage, I had a brief and inappropriate relationship with a coworker, an affair, an adulterous relationship, okay? It began as an emotional affair and ended physically. I vowed never to tell a soul. I would take it to the grave. 
At the time, I was angry that Kathy, who during uh, the pregnancy, uh, her pregnancy with our son, was not eager to be intimate. And by the way, Kathy was running a daycare out of our home at the time and was completely exhausted at the end of every day. This was a very stressful season for her. Regardless, I used this as an excuse to be the victim and seek my own pleasure any way I wanted. I even justified my behavior. Instead of seeking to understand my wife, I just got angry and selfishly sought out another relationship. I did not have uh, godly men around me to give me counsel during this time, nor did I seek them out. I simply ran my own game plan and did what felt right. I hid this relationship for 10 years. I also had an inappropriate relationship with someone. For the 10 years that John was hiding his affair, he was keeping me at a distance so that I wouldn't get too close to him and possibly find out. We lived life, had kids, went to church, pretended, but we were not best friends. We were not close to one another. We were living as roommates instead of husband and wife. Someone else showed interest in me, and I responded. We both were using excuses and feelings in order to satisfy our selfish desires. Had we both deeply, had we both been deeply entrenched with biblical community, not living our, fe- our lives based on feeling, and not seeking our own pleasure, our story would probably look a lot different. But in spite of all the pain, we realize now that this is how God woke us up from our spiritual slumber. So why did we find ourselves in this dark, lonely, isolated place? Simply put, we were selfish and living life based on our feelings, not on a life based on faith. Oh, sorry. Uh, Looking at God's word gives us a great clue as to why our marriage started the way it did. Yep, so Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, which everyone knows, do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interest of others. Yeah, in Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, which is a big one for me, it just says, He who conceals his sin will not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces his sin will find mercy. Uh, and that's a, uh, that's a memory verse because man, did I need to memorize that one? Uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve is another one. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And it may not be a physical death. It may be a death of a marriage, uh, which it was for us. And so that is applicable as well. We had no idea what each other's needs were or how to identify them or how to address them. We went into our marriage with a lot of singleness. Each of us brought into our marriage a sense of individualism, looking out for our own needs and not the needs of each other. Marriage was simply something you were supposed to do, have kids, grandkids, and then die. Yeah. Whoa. But dying to self, what was that? Being a student of my spouse, what what does that mean? If these things are not modeled for us when we are growing up, then we simply do what we were taught What we saw played out by our parents or grandparents or other adults in our lives, each of us has the opportunity to break the cycle of mediocrity, complacency, destruction, anger, despair, passivity, godlessness, 
right? Um, if we don't, then we will pass these things on to the next generation and the destruction and the despair continue. You see, I was seeking to find pleasure, comfort, happiness wherever I could, and I didn't let my spouse stand in the way of that. And when life got hard and when things happened to us that were really difficult or painful, we tended to run and seek relief from our pain. Instead, we needed to learn to embrace the pain and lean into Jesus and community and go work through the difficult issues with those who hurt us or with the ones that we've hurt. The answer is not to run, but that is what we both wanted to do. And so we actually, at that time uh, in our marriage, looked to move to a different city, a different state to, to escape. Uh, thankfully, uh, thankfully, we had folks around us who counseled us against that, and that was good counsel. Um, however, our painful past would follow us no matter where we tried to escape, right? So escape, whether it's through relocation, alcohol, drugs, pornography, overeating, whatever, uh, or anything else that keeps us from dealing with the real source of the pain is not the answer. We had to embrace the struggle and lean into Jesus and, again, community and work through that pain. Uh, when we started to do that and trust Jesus and the folks who cared about us, our marriage actually started to get better, and we could start to see rays of hope. So how did we start to get to a healthy place? Um, here are several things that helped us begin our journey towards healing. Um, First of all, when the wheels came off, um, thankfully there was a watermark mentor couple that we had both spoke to about how we hated our marriage in the previous six months. So it just happened to be that they, they were there right then. Um, the, the woman mentored me. My heart was hard, cold as ice towards John at this point. Oh. Don't do that. It was. It was. Amen. <laughs> so the woman... Um, gave me things that I needed to do on a daily basis. Um, one of them was to affirm John, which I didn't have anything nice to say. Well, actually, we didn't even speak at that point in our marriage. So I had to send one affirmation every day um, somehow. Well, since we weren't speaking, I emailed him. Like the very first one, I said, I like your shirt. Send. <laughs> that, I couldn't think of anything else to say that was nice. But I did this every day because I was being held accountable and not... And I took that, by the way. That was awesome. That was awesome. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was good. And it took a while. But after a couple of weeks of this, it kind of became comical and there was something that, that softened our hearts just a little bit, at least my heart, towards him. So that was a, that was a good push for me. Um, Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of ever, everlasting. So I had to ask myself, is there anything in my life that is offensive to God or my spouse at that time? Yeah, and so we're just going to list, there's six things, one of which she just mentioned uh, was, that, we, that we started to do to, to get to a healthy place. And so searching our own heart, uh, was one of those things. And again, the Psalm 139 verse is, is awesome. Confession uh, was huge, was huge. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen again, right? He who conceals his sin will not prosper. It may mean, you may make a ton of money. It, prosper looks 
very different, uh, different stages of, of life, different seasons of life. For us, it meant that our marriage didn't prosper. It meant that the enemy neutralized us to one another because I had unconfessed sin in my life. Um, so am I fully confessed before God and before my spouse, or do I still have some work to do? So that's two. Number three is get around, get others around you. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, Are you in community of like-minded friends who can encourage you in God's word and in his wisdom? So uh, number four is work on me, work on you, right? So Matthew 7, uh, 3 through 5 says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all along there's a big log in my own eye? You hypocrite, it says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Am I daily drawing that circle around myself that we talk about and working on everything inside that circle, or am I trying to fix my spouse? Uh, number five is pray for your spouse, Matthew five forty four. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Am I lifting my spouse up in prayer daily? Am I trusting that the Lord will change my spouse's heart, or am I trying to do it on my own? And at the time, he was the enemy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Number six says, trust that God is who he says he is and believe that change will happen. Ephesians 3.20, which is awesome, just says, now all glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever ask or dream, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So at that time, we could have never imagined that our marriage could be better. Um, but in fact, it got much better. Am I trusting that God is able to do all things? Or am I constantly worrying and fretting over life? Life is too short to live in the darkness with secrets, lies, and deception. You were meant for so much more, but you've fallen for the enemy's lies that says if you change, life will get worse. It might get harder for a while. In fact, it took us two years to get back to a healthy place. But if you do not give up, you will see God do a work in you that is greater than anything you could ever imagine. So this is simple. Okay, it's not complicated. We at our core are selfish people, looking out for the interests of ourselves, wanting that which brings pleasure and happiness. When we are separated from the model of Christ and what his sacrificial love looks like, we're going to travel this selfish road all the time. But when we come face to face with who Jesus really is and the way he loves us, we will hopefully fall to our knees and repent and ask for help. So for us, when the pain of living in the darkness and living in our own filth and guilt became greater than our fear of getting help, then and only then did healing start to take place in our marriage. But we had to come out from hiding, and we had to get others involved. Remember, the longest journey begins with the single step, just saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do this. Um, 
So a couple of things real quick. So we would ask you to fast forward to, this, to the future. Speed up the tape of your life, if you will. What does it look like in 10, 20, 30 years? What does your marriage look like? What does your relationship with your children and your grandchildren look like? We would encourage you to think about even writing a mission statement or a statement of purpose. Set goals. Create a vision for your marriage, for your family. Begin with the end in mind and work intentionally toward that end. If any of you have never done this, here's a great exercise. Write out your obituary. Anybody ever done that? Written their own obituary? Yeah. Do do that. Begin with the end in mind. How do I want to be remembered? What legacy do I want to leave? What do I want my wife, my children, grandchildren, friends to say about me? What will our legacy be? What will uh, your legacy be? So in conclusion, um, we are so far from perfect, but if you could have seen us 14 years ago, is that right? 15, 16, 20-something years ago, uh, you would not believe that we could, we could be here at all. So we are still a work in progress. We still have our moments, but God continues to grow us and soften our hearts, and we continue to love each other more and more daily as we trust the one that loves us the most. Um, We're so thankful that all of you are here. The fact that you're here is a great thing. It means that you've taken the first step towards healing, restoration, and oneness. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It was hard for us to ever show up at that point. Um, Your relationship will get better if you don't give up. Yeah, so so just very quickly, I'm going to go off script, Susan, for just two seconds, because I think we we still have time. I'm going to get an email tomorrow. I know, I know. But it's easier to just ask for forgiveness. <clears throat> um, so here's what I, here's one thing I would share. Man, we have fun together now. We do stuff. We we do stuff together now. We go on dates together. We serve in ministry together. Uh, we're even we're even building a fence together. You know, she's agreed to stay on her side. I'm on my side. Now we're building a fence. We don't know what we're doing, but we're building it. But we're doing it as a team. And there was a season in our marriage where we built fences and we built walls. But it was her wall and it was my wall. And those walls were tall and thick. And we could not reach one another. So this is, this is a different kind of wall. There was a season in our, in our lives where we truly um, wished for, prayed for each other's death. Okay, I prayed that she would get involved in some, you know, uh, chemical industrial accident of some kind. And I prayed he'd get run over by a bus. Bus. It's the bus. Truly. I mean, we were, you know, Lord, we don't want to go to prison, but if there's some way, somehow, and it, 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 is, it is a chuckle now, but may I tell you, it was real. The enemy had us duped into just thinking, man, it was twisted, so... Um, we will leave you with this a familiar verse, Galatians 6, 9, just says, don't grow weary in doing good, right? For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up. Thank you for letting us share. Thank you.